Hello, and welcome to the latest Emerald podcast. Today, I'm talking with Taylor Jones, training manager for our workforce development department about adjuster ethics. Taylor, thanks so much for being here. Uh, thanks for having me, Tina. Well, let's dive right in. We all know that ethics are based on what is professionally and morally appropriate and can even go beyond the law. Can you explain a bit about why understanding our ethical obligations is more important now than ever? Sure. I mean, I would like to think that it's always been important, but these days we may be a bit more under the microscope. Um, but this is what ethics is all about. You know, what deeds are you doing when no one is looking? Um, look, I think that most people feel like we are all ethical in our dealings, or at least we'd like to think so. We probably are all like, yeah, we're nailing it when it comes to this ethics things. But I would like to ask an adjuster who, you know, might be listening to this podcast, um, you know, have you ever hurried through an investigation? Maybe you had a preconceived notion to whether or not something was going to be covered before you really even looked at it. Maybe you got a little sloppy on your file documentation, took some bad photos. Maybe you didn't update your activity log timely. Or how about the small mistruths here and there where you documented that you left a message for the policyholder, but you really didn't. Um, no big deal. You'll, you know, you're tired when you got back to the hotel. You just, oh, you know, I'll just say I called him back and left a message. Sure. I'll call him back tomorrow. Um, but, you know, these are mistruths and, and you know, ultimately they're unethical. Um, but we could even take that a step further. How about training? You know, have you ever been lax or non-existent about your continuing education? Failure to continue your professional development can lead to ethical violations and to a certain degree is unethical in and of itself. Okay. Um, how would you feel if your doctor graduated med school 30 years ago and never cracked a book since? Absolutely. Nobody would want to be seen by that position. No, or your, you know, your child pediatrician never did that. And you, now your, you know, your child's livelihood is in their hands. I mean, I think that would terrify anybody. And Tina, these really just scratch the surface. What about dealing with individuals with different cultural, religious, or sexual preferences than you, um, and that might make you feel uncomfortable? Um, are you able to treat these individuals fairly and leave your opinions aside? Sure, sure. You know, these issues are all ethical violations and are just as damning as what you may consider a serious issue like theft or fraud. And that's what we mean when we say ethics goes beyond the law. Both exist to influence your behavior. You know, the law is mandatory while adhering to an ethical code is voluntary. Um, just because it may not be a legal issue doesn't mean that it isn't ethically inappropriate and understanding the difference may, you know, ultimately make or break your career. Sure. That's interesting. Um, some of the things that you brought up that we maybe wouldn't have thought about when in the course of handling a claim items that we need to be cognizant of. So can you just kind of remind us of some general responsibilities for us as adjusters when it comes to claims handling with regards to ethics? Sure. Um, as an insurance adjuster, you are the eyes and ears for the insured and the insurance carrier. And that's a really big deal. I mean, both parties are relying on you to get it right and be that ethical champion. This insurance carrier likely doesn't know who you are. This policyholder certainly doesn't know who you are. And they're allowing you to come in their, to their home um, and represent them on behalf of an insurance company. Of so they are relying on you heavily to get it right. But as an adjuster, your job is to seek coverage. We want to look for damage that we are able to cover under the terms of the insurance policy. We do not want to investigate to the exclusion. Of course, we're not trying to go out there to deny coverage. We want to find coverage if we can. Understood. Um, if a claim is filed, it is our responsibility to conduct a reasonable investigation and pay what we owe when we know we owe it. So if we owe a dollar, Tina, we need to pay that dollar. You know, I really like what you said about the misconception people have about adjusters looking to exclude rather than seeking coverage. If we're truly meeting our ethical duty to all parties, we must be diligent in finding coverage whenever possible. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of the ethical pitfalls that can lead to trouble and how to avoid them. 
Sure. Uh, one important pitfall is the failure to accommodate diverse demographics. We just spoke about this a bit earlier, but it is really important. Um, you have to be honest with yourself. If you know in your heart of hearts that you're not going to be able to treat someone fairly based on their beliefs or background, it is your responsibility to speak up and have that conversation with your manager um, as you really have no business handling that claim. Absolutely. Um, another one is making inappropriate references. Your personal opinion is just that. It is personal and you should keep it to yourself. Um, that is the simplest way to avoid trouble in this area. Maybe you're dealing with a difficult policyholder. It would not be wise to call them a jerk or <laughs> document that you think that they are a jerk. Um, this is, again, of course, an opinion and really has no place in claim handling. Uh, you should always ask yourself, um, does this note or information support the investigation of the claim? And if it doesn't, then I think you have your answer. We should not be documenting this. You know, I think you made a good point in that we've all been tempted to include something in the notes that's not really germane to the claim at hand, and that can only lead to issues down the road. Absolutely. And how about uh, failure to communicate promptly? Prompt response to phone messages is always critical. You can't simply ignore your phone calls. Not returning phone calls or not making that phone call to begin with is very easily proven in today's technology. And if you're going to tell somebody that you're going to do something, you must do it. If you say you'll investigate their question further and follow up, then that is exactly what you must do. Communication is key. Certainly. And you have to do a good job of managing expectations. You know, if you're going to tell people when you're going to call them, make sure that you follow through and call them then. It avoids problems. Oh, yeah. And another pitfall is not knowing your expertise or boundaries. We see this a lot. I mean, you are not expected to know everything. You are expected to know your limitations and when and how to get the help that you need, but you owe it to the insured and the carrier to stay within your expertise and get the needed help. And it can be hard to ask for help or to admit limitations, but it's crucial if you don't know something to seek guidance from your management or another trusted resource. And it's much easier to get that out on the front end than it is in the back end to have to admit that. You handled something back, that you, you made a mistake. Yeah. And, and when you ask somebody for help, then the next time you know how to do it. Right. So it's just get it out there on the front end. You're increasing your knowledge yeah. in addition. Sure. Another uh, pitfall is conducting an incomplete investigation. Um, that's a big trouble area. And you should investigate each claim on its own merits. Um, every claim is different. If it wasn't, we wouldn't need an adjuster. We just need a big rubber stamp, right? <laughs> every claim is different. So. Keep an open mind and review all documents and facts that the insured presents to you. Um, if you go in with a preconceived notion, it may be hard to change your mind. Also, if you're going to say you did it, do it. You know the old adage or the old saying about documentation, I'm sure. If you don't document it, then it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. I think we've heard all heard that a hundred times over. Well, this is the opposite of that. If you do document it, then you better have done it, right? Um, you should also schedule the necessary time to complete a thorough inspection. Ask yourself, would you be happy with the amount of time that you spent at the inspection if it were your claim? Listen to the insured if they have photos, documents, or any pertinent information that, um, that you need to give that information the attention that it deserves. Perfect. And I think we have another pitfall that you'd like to discuss. Oh, yeah. And there are many. We could go on about this for, for hours, but... Uh, you know, lastly, is just lack of documentation on the claim files surrounding activities. It really does no good to complete an investigation if you're not going to document it. And I always say, you know, give yourself credit. If you are going to spend an hour on that roof and being very meticulous, then get credit for spending the hour on that roof. Um, again, I'll say it. Um, you are the eyes and ears for the insured and the insurance carrier. You really owe it to both parties to document your findings and create a claim file that supports your decision, whether that is going to accept the, and pay the claim or reject it. 
You make an excellent point about documentation. Unfortunately, we're in a very litigious society. And worst case scenario, your claim could end up in litigation. At that point, lots of eyes are going to be on your claim file. And it needs to stand on its own and have its own merits and be easily understandable and also not contain any information that isn't pertinent to the claim. Absolutely. You know, we always say it's your claim, your policyholder. Have you talked, I mean, have you documented your claim? Have you called your policyholder? Well, Although you are handling this claim, it is far from your, your claim. claim. <laughs> you need Absolutely. to make sure that everything, that it's all factual. And speaks on its own. Absolutely. So I know there's some practical solutions adjusters can use to ensure they're handling a claim ethically, or as we like to talk about, taking the lead in claims adjusting. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, take To take the lead, L-E-A-D, means to listen, engage, assist, and develop. And we're talking about listening we mean address the concerns and questions that your policyholder may have. Most issues can be avoided if your customer knows that you're listening to their concerns. I know, you know, and whenever I call a customer service hotline and I'm speaking to someone, I'll give, give them a whole spiel. And then the next sentence, they're going to ask me a question and it's going to be something I already told them. Of and course. it feels very much so like frustrating. it is. It's very frustrating. It feels like people are just reading off of a template. Mm -hmm. And lots of times we have these quality contacts or first contacts that we have to make with our policyholders. And, Although we use templates sometimes to kind of keep us on track, we Certainly. should really just need to be paying attention and listening to what and engaging these these uh, policyholders. Um, which brings us to the next point and lead is engage. Ask investigative questions. You know, tell me a little bit about your damage and actually take the time to listen and process those answers. Um, the other portion of this is assist. You always want to be in the moment. You know, don't be thinking of what you got going on at home or what you're going to get for dinner that evening or you've got to take your daughter to soccer practice or something like that. Really be present in your inspection. And that goes also into being professional, not checking your cell phone or answering texts or emails in right. front of the policyholder, um, complying with dress code. Just take that professionalism to a new level. Mm -hmm. And then having a caring and empathetic attitude. Although the damage may seem minor to you, it may be devastating to a homeowner. I know that as insurance adjusters, you can become immune almost. Yeah, desensitized to the stories that you hear. Just desensitized yeah. to these things, and you know this is the fifteenth roof that you've seen that looks just like this, and you know your policyholder may only have six feet of fence that was blown down, and in your mind you're like, oh my gosh, it's six six feet of fence. What's I mean, the big what's deal? The big deal. You should see your neighbor's house. Your neighbor's got some real right. damage to complain about. But you really just don't know what straw broke the camel's back. Oh, it's just six feet of fence that's damaged. Well, you know, what if that six feet of fence allowed for their family dog to escape and they haven't seen it since? You know, this it could be devastating. a whole new light yeah. on what their information is. Absolutely. It could be very devastating to them. And then the last um, letter D for develop. Um, develop your claim handling skills. Always professionally develop through continued education, going back to the doctor. You know, you want your doctor to continue up on... Um, Stay current on the latest trends. Ex and Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So continue to develop your claim handling skills. Ask those questions like we were talking about, staying within your boundaries. Ask questions, learn. That way you can handle it correctly the next time. That is developing mm -hmm. your experience. Um, review the claim file. Always check your work and... Not just your work, but the work of others before you. Mm -hmm. We want to have a clean, complete claim file. So even if you notice a mistake that you didn't do, it is up to you to fix it before you get out of that claim file. Sure, sure. Um, know the policies. I'm not suggesting that you memorize the policies, of course, but just understand what you're dealing with on each claim before you get out there. And then know the right steps. We stated this before, but... You're not expected to know everything, but you are expected to know what you don't know and how to get the help that you need. Great. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are all really good points. 
So many times the ethical path is clear. Like obviously you're not supposed to take a bribe or perhaps go on a date with an insured. But a lot of times they're gray areas. Could you maybe give us an example of a situation where the ethical choice is not so clear cut? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what this podcast is about. A lot of these things that aren't so obvious, you know, yes, should I take a bribe now? Probably not. We all we all know that. But mm-hmm. did I realize that maybe saying that I, you know, just tweaking my documentation a little bit, did I realize like how damning that can be? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, going back to ethics goes beyond the law. The law is usually pretty clear. You break the law, you have this consequence. But sure. with ethics, like you said, at times it is very clear what is right and wrong. And other times it may just be a choice of an acceptable decision and a better one. Mm-hmm. You know, for an example, um, it is completely justified to not pay a claim for damage to an insured vehicle estimate until you receive their rental car receipts. You know you can make this payment right now, but I'm not going to do it because I'm going to wait until I get that rental car receipt. Okay. Just need that one last little piece of information. But wouldn't it be a better or more ethical decision to go ahead and pay what we know we owe and then supplement the payment for the rental car once you receive that receipt? Right. Sure, this may take some extra time, an extra step or two, an extra note. you got to create an extra payment, an extra document to upload. But... Our job is to pay what we owe when we know we owe it. Um, we should never hold a policyholder hostage to their money. And realistically, and, what we're talking about, an extra five or ten minutes. Yeah, and it and it's your job, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels punitive to me to tell a policyholder that, you know, hey, I've got some money I could give you, but I'm not going to. But I'm to. not going to do it yet. Yeah, until you give me what I need. Right. And, you know, that's just punitive. And, and we don't know their situation, and frankly, it isn't our business. If we owe them money, we need to pay it promptly. Absolutely. So, yes, you know, there are many times when an adjuster will be faced with a decision that is totally justified. There are state statutes that say until you have all the information necessary to to make a claims handling decision, you don't have to create a payment. Okay. But I just think that that's a better option and it will service our customers a bit better. So basically what you're saying is that while sometimes an action or inaction is technically correct or quote unquote good enough, it could be done better with regards to ethics. And that is what basically if you need to stop and try and justify your actions, you may be doing something wrong. You've probably already got your answer if you really have to question, okay, is it reasonable to delay a payment to somebody even though I've got information now where I could pay some of the claim? Yeah, I mean, and we can just take this even a step further with situational ethics. Oftentimes, a person will justify their actions if nothing bad, per se, is going to happen. So Mm -hmm. uh, they may take a shortcut here or do something that could be seen as ethically questionable. Or maybe they feel that the ends just justify the means. Um, If the result of the action is good then okay, we'll do it, even if the action in itself is unethical. So if you do, like you said, if you find yourself justifying an action, then maybe you need to take a step back because in all likelihood you're dealing with an ethical dilemma and need to think twice about the actions and the result of such action. Yeah, absolutely. Taylor, those are some excellent points. I think that you've really hit home a lot of the reasons why ethical dealings are important when we're handling claims. And also shedding some light on maybe some of the gray areas and ways that you can avoid getting into trouble. So we really hope with our session today that we've provided some tools and information to help our adjusters out there navigate these ethical elements of claims handling. Obviously, we could speak on this subject at length, but if you follow these basics, it should help you avoid issues in the future. Taylor, thanks again so much for being here and sharing your knowledge and expertise. Absolutely, Tina. Thank you for having me. 